Yo, T-Dot all day, every day, feel me? It's still a Brooklyn thing, fam. Welcome to Carrieism Speaks. I am your host, Carrieisms, aka Toronto's favorite Brooklyn girl, a writer, singer, podcaster, and YouTuber at Carrieisms.com. Every week, I share commentary and interviews on the adventures of life from a millennial's point of view. Some adventures may be personal, some may be professional. Either way, I hope you can stay tuned and stay true. Let's go! Hey everyone, welcome to episode 2 of Carriesm Speaks. This is the year of the podcast for Carriesm Speaks. I'm going to go on this journey and I hope that you guys will continue along with me every week. We will be talking about things that are professional, that are personal, and all the things that are in between. This week, I want to talk to you guys about the genuine process of building a brand. I know that in this day and age, the computer age is really big, the internet age is really big, and everyone is out there building their businesses, building their brands. And I really wanted to sit down and talk to people about what it means to build a brand. I started Carryisms in 2016 and in on the front end it looks pretty glamorous. On the back end it's a whole lot more that goes into the process of doing that. So I definitely wanted to get as much information and talk to as many people. In this episode I got to speak with Fifi Buchanan who is a wellness and lifestyle content creator who promotes healthier living from the inside out through her YouTube videos, website, and podcasts. And you all may know her online as the Divine Hostess. If you need a customized meal plan, a workout routine, or a series on living a better life, Phoebe Buchanan is the person for you to go to. So I hope that you all enjoy this episode and let's just get into it. Thank you, Fifi, for being a guest here at Carries and Speaks and welcome. Thank you, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for being here. So I got to know you through Twitter. There was one particular moment, literally a moment, that's what they call them on Twitter, where you were speaking about genuinely building a brand. Mm-hmm. And it came at a time where I was getting really frustrated because I was still maybe like a thousand followers or so. And I've been on Instagram for quite a while and I was getting really frustrated with the entire process, this whole thing about following or and unfollowing or giving disingenuous comments, what caused you to to share that with Well, I, I think having the same frustration you have, and to be honest, even if I had 50,000 followers, I might still feel that way because no matter how well I'm doing, I'm always thinking about I could do better. Mm-hmm. And so just sharing that with other content creators that I'm friends with that I've known for four or five years, we found it frustrating because how you look on the surface is someone that doesn't know you as it, it looks as though the person with 50,000 followers is more successful and maybe has more value than the person that only has 5,000 followers. And we were just talking about how that looks to other brands. And it just is frustrating because if you have enough money and you, you pick the right app to uh, follow and unfollow, you can grow overnight. Yeah. Not because of your content, not because of relationships, but just because you knew which program to use. Um, it used to be that you couldn't do that. Most people were actually online because they genuinely liked the topic that they were covering, whether it be a vegan blog, a fitness blog, a beauty blog. It wasn't really about growing to be popular or to attract businesses, and that's changed. So I think for me, it was just the growing frustration that I was feeling, and then it was shared with my friends. 
And we're just talking about how it's really an unprofessional way to grow your business. So what happens if you do get to, let's say you get to 100,000 and a company hires you and says, we would like you to teach us about how you grew your brand. Well, how is that going to look when really you just used a bot? You didn't grow relationships. You didn't, what you did is you spent money and you followed people and unfollowed them. So for me, it just, I, I felt the need to speak on it. I can definitely relate to that because I feel it's more rewarding in any way to get to know and people actually know you and know who yeah. you are. And instead of like when you reach the top and you really don't know how you got there, exactly. you know, like you kind of do have to start from scratch again, even though you're at that peak level. What made you want to create The Divine Hostess? What made you want to create content for healthier living? So originally, about seven years ago, when I was still living in San Diego at the time, I was sharing with a friend that I just, I love entertaining. It's just been a part of my family my whole life, whether we had a little or the times when we had a lot and we were doing well financially, we always wanted to have people over and just share good meals and conversation. And so as I got older and I started getting into cooking, because when I was younger, I had no interest in it. I had so many family members that could cook. So I, I just didn't have the need. I expressed to a friend I would like to start cooking and entertaining. And I said, maybe like an event planning business, maybe like a catering business. And so we decided together that we might collaborate and, and be business partners and do a catering business. But it fell apart pretty quickly. Um, as you mature, you learn that maybe partnerships with friend, friendships are not always a good idea. You know, the friendship may be great, but they may not make a good roommate or they may not make a great business partner. I also relocated. I started graduate school. So I still had the idea. I was the one that came up with the name Divine Hostess. And I was like, well, how can I still do it? But in the meantime, people were always asking me for recipes and how I did this and that. And when a new show would come on, I would love to do like these little watch parties. And I would think about like, okay, what new recipe can I try for my five friends that are coming over? What like different food can I make for them? So just from that, like, it's like, basically, I never stopped, but I transformed that into being a blogger. Because I mean, seven years ago, things were still fairly new. You know, now everyone says everyone has a blog, but back then, it was still newer. And yeah. so started, I started a blog, and that was a way to still help and reach people. And I think it just sort of grew from there. Just I, I allowed people to tell me what they wanted to see. And I sort of created recipes and ideas based on concerns that people had. I see. And what social media platform did you look to to start creating that? And what media platform so far has impacted you the most? I think Twitter. I'm a writer by nature. I've, I've had a love for writing since about second grade, which is pretty early. And Twitter was an opportunity to do what they call microblogging, just to put some thoughts out there. And it's actually a great way, like if you ever have road block, uh, like a like a writer's block or, or roadblocks in your your process to creating something, if you put information out on Twitter, you get feedback usually. And it's scary, right? Twitter is like you're talking to yourself and you're like hoping that someone will join the conversation. But that's that's where I started. And so Instagram was still fairly new at that time when I jumped onto Twitter. But it was my chance to write to people, talk about health, talk about fitness, just things that were interesting to me while I was a graduate student. And I still feel that same way. Although I do I know everybody cares about Instagram. It's all about like, well, how many followers do you have on Instagram? How many likes are you getting? How many comments are you getting? Yeah. I feel that the authenticity is really going away on Instagram. So I personally try not to put so much stock in how many followers I have at, at a given time versus like Twitter, where I can see from the genuine, the retweets and the comments and replies and 
people even saying like, I'm going to write a blog post about this, that feels more real to me than someone liking my picture. There was something that really got me for Twitter too. That was my first um, favorite social media platform. And it is still to this day, it was the Twitter chats that had me hooked because you got so many people who would just, you know, have the same interests as you and you just sit down and like have a conversation, but you're by yourself, but you're connected to so many people at the same time. So I've lived for Twitter and I still do. Absolutely. I I honestly think it's the perfect place too, because I'm I'm an introvert by nature. And that's always interesting because I do like speaking engagements and lots of things that are in public, but I am more of an introvert by nature as much as I love people. And so being a writer and and engaging on Twitter, it is an easier way. It's more controlled and contained. It's easier to engage with people without getting overwhelmed the way you might in other settings. So uh, it's it's just a great way. Like when you see someone else's tweet that's been retweeted, you you look, oh, let me check them out. Oh, I kind of like what they have to say. Okay, I'll follow them, which is nice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And with Instagram, I didn't like it at first because I kind of missed the whole, you know, get gathering together with your friends or family and looking through albums and stuff. Yeah, that's yeah, I kind of missed that. So at first, I was very resistant to it. But then, of course, like everyone and all your friends and all your peer groups are doing it. So I'm just like, okay, cool. I would definitely say Twitter is the best for me right now. And it's funny because even though I'm, I probably complain the most about Instagram, I do know that it's still a wonderful way to connect to people. It's just that you have to go into it with a different attitude. Just say like, this is my way of connecting with people. Even if only 23 people like this picture, my point was that something was on my heart to share. And I did exactly that. And I don't know, one of those 23 people needed to see this post. But I actually also have three Instagram accounts. So I've got a lot going on. And I separated them because they just had different content. One is a personal account, so that way I don't have to only post like the business type posts or sponsored posts. And then another one is called Scriptures for Peace. And I just share my spiritual beliefs and just different things that I think would help people with anxiety. And I do um, like my voiceover on there. It's kind of like voiceover practice. So like soothing things or scriptures. So, I mean, there's definitely like a lot on Instagram that's wonderful as long as you don't come with these great expectations that... You have to have a certain number of growth in a particular month. I can definitely agree with that. I have listened to a few of your episodes and I do like your speaking voice. Oh, thank you so much. One thing that I I still kind of have a question for this and I'm hoping that you can answer it. What is the difference between a brand and a content creator? And can you be can you be separate entities? Yeah, I think you can definitely be both. So to me, a brand is... It's how the business, a brand is a business's reputation. So, you know, you have like Nike, for instance, that's a company, but the brand that we know all relates to fitness and confidence and it's coming into style and they're kind of cutting edge. And then you have other things like, for instance, Curlbox. Many people know my leap, the CEO, and the business itself is a subscription uh, business, right? So you get a box each month, you pay a certain amount, and you get these new products to try. But that's not the brand. The brand is like empowering for women. It's teaching about entrepreneurship, right? So there's a lot that goes with that. And I love that we distinguish a business from a brand, right? Because there's lots of businesses that we use their products every day, but we they don't really have a brand. An example would be like, maybe let's say Waxy. And 
you might be wondering what the heck is Waxy? But then when I say, oh, they're the company that makes like the soap dispensers and the toilet seat covers and paper towels for bathrooms. Oh yeah, okay, I've seen that brand, right? But they don't necessarily promote any sort of lifestyle or any, any tips, right? But they do provide a service. But brands do much better because then people identify with how this affects their lifestyle. And then as a content creator, a lot of times content creators work with brands. So I'll use my leak again as an example. She is a content creator. She has a podcast. She blogs. She puts out amazing information for entrepreneurs. So she's creating content, but it's not always that way. Sometimes brands will hire people like myself to create content that aligns with their brand so they can reach a particular audience. So as a blogger, I always have to be thinking about I'm creating content for my own brand. But there is potential for me to create content for another brand if I, as a writer, as a podcaster, uh, making videos. And I've done all of these things. And that's why I think it's really important to be mindful of how I represent myself and also not to pigeonhole myself so that I can only create content for myself. And I do do um, some freelance work here and there. So I've got a couple different brands that I write for them. Some of them don't want my name on it. They totally want it to be theirs. And then there's others where they want to use my name and say, hey, this is Divine Hostess writing for our blog. Come and check it out. Mm -hmm. So I, I think people who are still fairly new, like let's say two or three years in or less, it's really good to think about showcasing their writing skills and their speaking skills and being professional. What I mean by being professional is you know, Twitter, it's definitely one of those things where it's funny to share like memes and gifts and different things. And I, I totally am OK with that. But if you get too controversial or you get on there only to vent, you might be limiting yourself as far as what brands might want to work with you, because maybe it seems like you don't know the difference. Like if this Twitter account says divine hostess, I have to remember at all times, even if it's 11 o'clock at night, I'm still tweeting as a business. Yeah. So. Yeah, just kind of, you know, there's a balance. You can definitely be, have fun and talk about the show you're watching. But some people are, are a little bit on the unprofessional side. An example would be people who jump on their Twitter account to complain about maybe like a difficult customer or client. I don't think that's the most professional. And if a brand sees that, they might not want to work with you. Yes, for sure. I can definitely say my rule of thumb is when I'm feeling upset or overwhelmed or just not in a great place, don't go on Twitter. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. Exactly. TikToks last forever. When I was first starting out and I'm looking back at the tweets now, I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yes. I've grown a lot as well. And honestly, we're not having very good examples set by many public figures, public officials, well-known athletes. There's a lot of people that really don't know that balance and it can be detrimental. I mean, we've seen people lose their jobs over things that they chose to do. Yeah, we talked about like some of the disingenuous ways that people build brands overnight. What as a solution, what are some better alternatives? We talked about how some people may purchase an app or, you know, maybe they're using a bot on their computer. Are you familiar with those? Yes. Yeah. So some people are using a bot and what happens is they will have it programmed to where everyone follows, you know, they follow a bunch of people. Once those people follow back, it's set to unfollow. So they don't have to manually do anything. I think an alternative is still using the bot, but choosing not to be a jerk. I actually worked for a company as a junior marketing director and they had me use a bot for them. And there's actually an option for you not to unfollow people. I think there's nothing wrong with scouting out people and saying, okay, all of these people follow Nordstrom and I am a clothing brand and it's similar to what Nordstrom carries. So I'm going to follow a bunch of Nordstrom people. The issue I see is unfollowing them. People want to 
have you follow them back so we can interact, not just, oh, we all follow you. And so I think one alternative is just to keep following the people you follow. They genuinely followed you because they wanted to build some sort of relationship with you. So that's one way, because I do think bots can be effective. The other thing is to not be affected by what other people are doing. Even if you started at the same time as someone and now you're you're at 2,000 and they are at 15,000, is to continue to genuinely build your brand and not worry about the rate at which they are growing. I think that that's difficult, especially for me because I've been on for so long and I've gone to so many different conferences. And there are people I know that literally were like at like 20,000 and are now at like 400,000 followers. Like it, it's it's a huge difference where it really is a business and a brand. But my brand may not even need to go in that direction for me still to profit. Um, I've had people tell me like, oh yeah, like I only have 10,000 followers, but I charge customers X amount for an Instagram post. And it kind of made me raise my eyebrows like, well, you charge that amount, but they know their value and the, co- the company knew their value. The, the company could see the genuine interaction. The company could see, oh, well, when I mentioned the company, you know, 50 of my followers instantly went and followed that company. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of knowing your value and knowing your lane. Your lane may not equate to numbers as far as what's public, but it might equate to numbers in your bank account. It might turn into conversions. Like for me, with health coaching, I mention it sometimes, but 100% of my customers have been people that have come to me and said, I've been following you for a while. I was wondering if you could take a client. Like I haven't really had to pitch it really hard to people. And I think that that's just a result of having genuine followers. Like the people who are following me are truly following. They really want the content that I provide. And so I think that the biggest thing is really just like knowing your own worth and not, you kind of can't look left or right. You can't look at anybody else, but your own growth and say like, what's a success look like for me? And can I continue to know my worth? Because companies on the other hand, like they know your worth, but they won't pay you your worth. So some companies will come to you and say like, Hey, I have this uh, curling iron. Can you promote it on your blog? And I'm like, okay, I don't have a beauty or hair blog. So that wouldn't even make sense, first of all. And then also sometimes they're offering like an insulting amount of money, like it's so low. And so me being able to just move forward and just, you know, professionally say no thank you and not say, oh, I can't believe they offered me $20 to do a video. That was so insulting. What did they think about me? I have to keep it moving and just not focus on that. And the other thing is building relationships offline is very effective. And so wherever I go, when there's an opportunity to mention that I am a content creator, that I am a voiceover actor, I use it. And so everyone should be thinking that way. You should have your cards. You should be open to it, especially if people are engaging with you, like they're really chatting and they seem interested. Then tell them, yeah, I'd love to stay in touch. Here's my Instagram. Here's my Twitter. That follow is much more genuine than someone who just stumbled upon your page. I can definitely relate to that. I went to a blogging conference maybe a year ago. And I met two ladies there and I still, we still follow each other on Instagram and, you know, wow. support each other in any way that we can, whether it's via YouTube or going to an event and stuff like that. And that those two relationships really mean the world to me. Versus, that is awesome. And also you can look to other people as inspiration because there's no idea that's really original. We're just all trying to do it our own way. Right. And so true. stay in your lane and focus on you and you yeah. won't have time to compare and all of that, even though it gets hard sometimes, but it's so hard. I, I think even being honest about that, when you have days when you feel like, gosh, you know, I thought this was my best 
podcast ever. And, you know, hardly anyone has listened to it. I think that sometimes we suppress our frustration and anxiety and feelings of inadequacy, and then it just comes out in different ways mm-hmm. um, down the road. I think it's really a positive thing to just be honest and have those friends that you say, you know, I'm really frustrated. I worked really hard on this. I don't feel like quitting. I feel like giving up. I don't, you know, I don't know if this is the right way. And sometimes you strategize with these friends and they'll tell you, you know what, this was good content, but maybe it was timing. I remember one time I re- released a video and it was for a roasted butternut squash. And I forgot how it was made, but it was like made a special way with spices. And it was something that my mom really enjoyed that I made. So she had me make it for her friends when they came over. So I record this video and put it up and the video does terribly. Mm-hmm. And it was a good video, but it turns out it was a terrible time because it was probably the month of April. Well, people are not really eating roasted squash in April. They're eating it in the fall. So had I recorded it and just waited till maybe September timeframe, it would have done a lot better. So I had to start learning about timing for different things. Sometimes it's not the right time and that's why certain things don't take off, but they still can take off at a later time. I think a support system is really important. You can kind of tell who doesn't have a support system because those are the people who are venting online. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, where's your diary? You need a diary or, or another friend, something. Journal, girl, I got a journal. <laughs> yes, yes. Definitely have to do that. We did definitely touch on that, knowing your worth and finding your tribe. Do you believe in that saying and why or why not? I do believe in it, but I do think that it is constantly uh, up for evaluation. And so I think it's important that we all have this this tribe. And it, and it could be a mixture, right? You may have some family in there. You might have some ex-coworkers. You might have a neighbor. Like whoever really relates to you and celebrates you and who you in turn also celebrate and where you feel like there's room for everybody. You're not feeling like, well, my friend, she's also a fitness coach and I feel like she's stealing my ideas or I feel like she's doing better than I am and we started at the same time. Clearly that's not a good set of people for you. And it's weird how like the chemistry can just be bad. Like you're not genuinely um, a jealous person, but somehow this jealousy is kind of coming out with this relationship. You and that friend may not be a good fit. Mm -hmm. So Um, I think it's always up for evaluation because things change, people's lifestyles change, people move to other parts of the country. One thing I was talking about with a good friend is things change when people get married. And I think it's so funny when people get offended, like, oh, ever since they got married, they never come to happy hour anymore. And I'm thinking, um, you haven't gotten married before, so that's why you don't know. But I'm just, I promise you guys, when I get married, I'll probably disappear for a bit. Like, it's just going to happen. You are adjusting to a new life and you are now having to be accountable to another person and and that's different and so that affects everything you may not be posting as much online and i think that so your tribe is important but you can't hold that to be cemented that like well you were always in this particular position in my life how dare you fall off sometimes people will go from friends to associates and then maybe they come back to being closer friends at a later time i'm much more comfortable with that now Whereas when I was younger, like, do you remember graduating high school and you had friends and didn't it feel like you would be friends with those people for forever and ever? I had some really close friendships in high school and then college came around and then I honestly was a little heartbroken by it. I was. Oh, I was for sure. I was hard because I was like, I thought we'd be, you know, like the vitamin C song. (laughs) We'll be (laughs) (laughs) be friends about that. I thought that, you know, hey, like, because I really shared a lot and we shared a lot. Went through acne and stuff together. (laughs) (laughs) 
and it just feels like those bonds are so important. And I produced a podcast some months ago called Qualifying the Company You Keep. And it's actually funny because the story that I start out with, sometimes I'll tell stories on my podcast. I start out with a story and it's about this friend from second grade. And I actually ended up finding her on Instagram and letting her listen to the podcast. And it was so cool because second grade was a really long time ago. Let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking decades. Okay. And, um, but, but I'm, I'm in a different place now. You, you'll see a lot of posts about two things. One, outgrowing people, right? You'll see that. And then you'll also see uh, eliminating negative people. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one, outgrowing people, I want us to keep in mind that the other person is not necessarily not growing. We're growing and they're growing. And that's why this space has become crowded because it's not really a cohesive fit anymore. It's, it's not that like, oh, I'm just getting promoted and everybody's staying behind. Because sometimes people feel that way. They feel like, oh, well, I left my hometown. Why are you still in your hometown? That's why I need different friends. Well, some that one person may be meant to flourish in their hometown. Everybody can't leave, right? Like some people are going to stay behind and they may flourish in that position where they are. And for me, I just had to leave. I had other things. I'm kind of like just not committed to any particular city or town. Wherever I can flourish, that's where I'll go. But I, I respect the fact that people I graduated with um, may not need to move on to flourish. The other thing is the negative people one. This one really gets me because people are always talking about they feel so much better because they eliminated toxic friendships and, and all these things. Sometimes people are not a good fit and that doesn't make them toxic. It makes your chemistry toxic. Yes. There may be nothing wrong with that person. <laughs> they just aren't a good fit for you. And then also we have negative and toxic mindsets and behaviors too it's not just other people exactly yeah so, yeah it's not just the other person I there was one particular situation where I was in and I was like that person is a perfect person just not for me mm -hmm. and, and I there's no hard feelings you know there's nothing wrong with that or with situation it's just that we were, like you said, we were growing, but just in different directions. And in terms of friendships, one of my closest, my, I call her my best, best friend. We met each other in junior high school. And then we didn't see each other during high school at all. I think maybe once. Yeah. Ran up to her on the block and gave her a really big hug. And I didn't see her again. Wow. And, and then we met up again in college. And then it was like no time left. Like no, I love that. Yeah. And then now I moved because I lived in Brooklyn and now I'm living in Toronto and she's one of my closest friends. So like nothing has changed. So you just, you're just really great. You're just really lucky in that sense. But then there are some people that, you know, you just have to go there, go your way and let them go theirs. And then maybe you'll reconnect in the, in the future. But I think Absolutely. that's that and understanding the way relationships work in that sense will definitely help with like building who you're trying to be, whether it's professionally or personally, or just being genuine in general. Yeah. And I think when you talk about, you know, finding your tribe, I think that everybody plays a different position on the team. So I'll go ahead and be transparent and share my mistakes. Hopefully someone else can, can learn from this. Sometimes the people who are closest to me, are not necessarily who I need to be going to for advice and for help or for coaching. Mm -hmm. Just because that's my closest friend doesn't mean she's a finance expert, right? So just like you might not go to them for financial expertise, you might not need to go to them for even relationship advice, um, business advice. If they don't have any experience in that, then they shouldn't be who you go to. It just happens to be that you trust them the most. You have to go to the people who that is their thing and they are an expert. They can be more objective and they're more experienced. 
I think I, it's just that, you know, when you're close to someone, it's like, well, if you're nervous about that particular thing, it's easier to be vulnerable with the person you trust. But truly, if it is a, if it's something related to your business, then you need to go to someone who has experience with running a business. Yes, for sure. They can give you like a pat on the shoulder and send you on your way. But I think that's yes, they can help you Google an expert, you know, and they can definitely listen to you when you come back with the advice on trouble, you know, because I have definitely some friends that I can say, like, I need to strategize, I need to talk and they will make themselves available. But at the end, we still have to recognize that that's not their area of expertise. So it's just me weighing my options with someone. And I think that helps to preserve friendships because we get we feel disappointed or let down when people can't be there for us in certain capacities, but that was never their position. So how do you feel about friends and family supporting the brand? I feel like it's a really nice thing when they do, and I'm coming to understand that they won't always do it. And I'm not sure of the reason because I feel pretty passionate about supporting my friends and family. That's just how I am. But for some reason, not everyone really feels that way. I mean, truly, friends are not customers and customers are not friends. We kind of know that. But at the very minimum, you would want someone to at least celebrate when you say, I'm starting a business or I have this. You'd want them to say, yay. You know, they may not buy anything. You just want them to say, yay. But not everybody does that and even sees value in that. And actually, some of our peers are the same way. I've seen people who I've followed for years. We're both content creators. And, you know, some of them share all of my stuff and listen to it. Others don't even know I have a podcast. And they've been following me for six years on Twitter. So it's just, you know, some people just don't pay attention and then others just don't really have the capacity. It's nice when they can support you, but you will mostly find support from strangers who the only thing they want from you is your content. They don't want a relationship or a friendship with you. They want your content. So they are a much more pure customer to work with. You definitely have to navigate both circles and know how to act accordingly, for sure. Yes. So what message do you have for people who are frustrated with building a brand from scratch or they're just overwhelmed by the process and they're thinking about going down that path, that wrong path? Mm. You know, hey, I want to, I need, I need this, I need X and I, and I'm going to do ABC to get to X. Yes. So it, it can be difficult. First, I, I want to acknowledge that it is hard and you're not whining. It really is frustrating on a daily basis. You work a lot of hours and it's not in, it's not just work in and product out. That's not how it goes. Sometimes you put work in and it's more just an experiment and then you get the experience from it. So I want to acknowledge that. The second thing is I don't really believe in the whole phrase, trust the process. I'm a mechanical engineer. That's my master's degree. And that's how I think I'm analytical. And I know that you cannot trust the process. When you are not getting the outcome that you want over and over, probably there is a problem with the process and it needs to be audited. So I'm not sure where that phrase is coming from, but I am like the anti of that. That is not true that you trust the process because, for instance, with school, I was doing terribly in school and it made no sense because I was like an honor student in high school. I started out well in college, but then my bad study habits started to catch up with me. It turned out I was just very, very bright. I was very bright, so I was I was getting by, getting good grades because I was able to just make it through. But it wasn't until about junior year when things got difficult that I realized I had terrible study habits. And so the process was bad. I was showing up to school every day. I was never late. I was taking notes. I was staying after class. I was going to study groups. 
but the way I was taking notes wasn't very good. There was just a way that I was doing things. So I had to go back and look at the process. And once I did that, and I actually got a coach, like there was a woman that was specifically for science and engineering majors and study habits. And she said, oh, well, everybody highlights and that's not helpful. You need to take bullet point notes. You need to do this. Like she had all of these things. And so it turned out my process was faulty and it didn't, it didn't show up until school got harder. And so that's the same with your business. You might be doing something that only works on a small scale. And if it doesn't work on a large scale and you, you know that's the whole point of having a business is to grow and expand, you've got to explore that. And it's time to get a coach. And there are plenty of coaches for small businesses financially, just, just on general to mentor. If you don't have a lot of money, there's score.org. And score.org, in your city or town, there are mentors that can help you online. And there's also centers you can go to. And this is only for the U.S. And I know there are people listening all over the world, but there are centers you can go to in the U.S. But I think anyone can benefit online. And you can say, I need a mentor for this particular thing. They will assign you one and you can email back and forth or talk on the phone with a SCORE member. And these SCORE members are people who have decades of business experience. Oh, wow. And it's amazing. So yeah. you, it, it's bigger than you. And there are people who have already done what you're trying to do or something similar. And so if you're frustrated, you've probably you know, gotten to a point where you've exhausted all of your options. So you need someone else to come in and encourage you and give you a different way to look at things. And don't let your lack of resources get the best of you. Because it's interesting, the most successful people, you talk to them and they're like, oh, I started my business with $100. Like they started with very little because they are resourceful. They didn't complain that they didn't have a resource. They, they made a way with that. And so using some of these free services online, it was just saying like, there's got to be some knowledge that I don't know because you see people that, are, that have really crazy business ideas that really lack substance and they're taking off. So you should be able to look at them and say, why not me? Why, why, why not me? There must be something that I'm missing on from a marketing standpoint. Maybe like for, for me, for instance, I had to sit down and think about an avatar. Like who is my ideal customer? How old are they? Where do they live? How much money do they make? What's their favorite social media platform? Once I kind of was able to visualize that type of person, it was easier to create content. But I think just don't dismay, don't give up. And this whole like be consistent thing, it's true. You must be consistent. But if you've been consistently doing something for months now or even years and it's not working, then it's time to switch it up not and not be so loyal to the process and say, okay, I'm still me. I'm changing my brand up just a little bit, little cosmetic changes, just so that I can get noticed by the people who would really value me. That's amazing. Change tactics and stay the course. That's one of my biggest things. They say insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over. Exactly. Yep. Once you sit down and really think about what's working, what's not working and evaluate whatever the situation is, change tactics and then something else will come about. And that's something I definitely had to do. I was on YouTube for a while and it wasn't working for me. I don't know why. I think I was a little, ner I'm very nervous in public. I literally shake when I have to speak. Mm, I can relate, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I get really nervous when I'm in front of the camera and I was like, okay, maybe I can like, right because I am a writer first yeah, yeah. so I was like maybe I can do that or maybe I can podcast and I've been having really a really good experience this one included like just talking to people and, and getting to know more about certain topics and things like that so change tactics and maybe when the time is right you can go back to you know revisit like like we said yeah. grow yeah. whatever direction that you're growing and maybe you can come back and revisit. absolutely yeah
Thank you so much, Phoebe. This has been an amazing, amazing and very, very educational discussion. I hope for everyone listening that you guys got some really great content here. And remember to stay the course. If nothing else, stay the course. And I really appreciate you for being here at Curious and Speaks. Where can our listeners find you or connect with you? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. It was really good to hear from you. I am a reachable on Twitter. That's at, at Divine Hostess. Also, Instagram is at Divine Hostess. I have a Facebook page, which is also Divine Hostess. And then my podcast, which is probably where most people are going now for content, which is called The Wonderfully Made Podcast. It can be found anywhere where you can find podcasts. So Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all of those. And then I have a YouTube channel, same thing, Divine Hostess. And I'm always looking for feedback. So I'd love to hear from you guys on just what kind of content you want to hear next. I pretty much just do by request at this point. Thank you so much. Thank you, Fifi, for taking the time out of your schedule to sit down and talk to me about building a brand. I think now, while information is so accessible, we want to make it to the top and quick. And this is the age of just quick news, quick bylines, quick information. And we just want to have everything out just like quick, quick, quick. And there's there's more than one way to make it to the top. And I think the best way, the most important way is to do it genuinely. Because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do, what I'm trying to do anyway, and hopefully what you all are trying to do as aspiring influencers, creative artists, entrepreneurs, is to connect with your customers, to connect with your clients, to connect with the people around you, and just to put out really genuine content. So I hope that after listening to this, you will be able to do that. And I also hope that you go ahead and find Fifi on her social media handles and tell her that you found out about her through the Carryism Speaks podcast. I would really, truly appreciate it. Thank you all for tuning in. I am truly grateful for every single one of you. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast, rate it, and leave a review. Any feedback you have will be greatly appreciated. You can also contact me directly at carryisms.com. That's K-E-R-R-I-I-S-M-S.com. This episode was produced by yours truly, Carryisms, and the music was provided by The Passion Hi-Fi. This has been your Carryisms coming to you live, reminding you to stay tuned and to stay true, my beautiful crew. Over and out. <laughs> <laughs>